It's it's really cold here. Are you ready? We're having a heat wave. Oh geez, it's thirty five <laughs> degrees here Fahrenheit. No, it's almost freezing. It's almost freezing this morning. What is thirty five Fahrenheit? What's that in real money? Um, yeah, it's like maybe one or two, right? <laughs> oh man, yeah, that is cold. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it's like one and a half degrees. Yeah, for middle of May, it's really cold. This is com- this is compelling podcasting right here, doing uh, unit conversions in our heads, kind of uh, based more on, more on experience than actual math. Uh, this is Ruminate number 20, uh, a podcast about what's on our minds. I'm Rob Lewis, and with me is John Voorhees. Good morning, John. Hey, Rob. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. As we were just discussing, uh, it's really warm here now, So, uh, and you're getting completely the opposite, and it's freezing. Yeah, I mean, it's we're within a couple of degrees of snowing, actually, if it were if it were cloudy, but it's it's a nice day. It's just super cold this morning. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I had to uh, hunt, hunt out my shorts uh, that I hadn't worn since last summer. So, uh, but yeah, it's all good. We're uh, I'm pretty happy with it being being a bit warmer than it has been. So, yeah, well, that's good. I mean, we've had we've had super weird weather, lots of fog and rain. It feels it's felt a lot like the UK, probably. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, that, just, that sounds about right. <laughs> it's been rainy and foggy and kind of cool, uh, and now the weather's better, but it's just way too cold for middle of May. Um, so do you want to dive into it? Uh, yeah, let's go for it. Um, so on, uh, I guess it was sometime this week, maybe Wednesday or Thursday. Um, yeah, I think it was you Thursday. Did, you did one of these little, I don't I've been calling them mini podcasts, uh, but you do kind of little audio recordings of you chatting about different topics on the Mac Stories Telegram. And you, uh, you, you did the kind of the, the backstory of Ruminate, um, of how, how the podcast came to be. Yeah, yeah. I, um, you know, we have this Telegram channel. <clears throat> excuse me, at Mac Stories. It's at Telegram.me/slash/MacStories. And what what I like about Telegram, it's it's a lot like iMessenger or WhatsApp or something like that. But probably more like WhatsApp than iMessage because you can put all kinds of multimedia into it, and you can have channels where it's a one directional. Uh, publishing platform really so it's like the behind the scenes channel for what's going on at Mac stories and it's and very informal and just you know me Federico and Graham chatting about things and and saying what's going on with the uh, with the website and what we're up to and that sort of thing you know Federico will post pictures of his pasta even um, so one of the things we can do is we can post audio snippets and we have worked out a workflow of course um, I should say Federico has uh, that I, we, he and I both have been posting these audio, short audio clips, and you know you can call them microcasts or podcasts or audio clips. I don't know what they are. They're they're anywhere from a few minutes to maybe I think the longest one either one of us has done is maybe ten or twelve minutes. So they're short, and they're usually something relevant to what's going on at Mac Stories. Sometimes it's an update about what's coming up in the next week, or sometimes it's times it's a, something we're work we're working on or an app we like or something like that. And I think it was Wednesday night, <clears throat> I found myself up fairly late, and I knew I wanted to do one of these soon, and I didn't have any good ideas for topics, so I just asked people on the Telegram channel to tweet me with any ideas they had. And one of the ideas I got was um, to talk a little bit about podcasting. Sure, so you, um, 
So you kind of, to be honest, I'd kind of forgotten that you went through the story of how, you know, I'd suggested to you we do a podcast and, you know, we were, I think we were both were, not just you, kind of worried about how busy we'd be and if we'd have time for it, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, you know, it, I was, I would normally listen to them when they, you know, when you post them and I was kind of listening and I went, oh, this is about my podcast. Oh, okay. I'll kind of, you know, <laughs> and then sure you I'm said, oh, attention. we better get, we, yeah, we better get ready for that next one since we hadn't done anything yet at that point. And I was saying how we prepare, um, but we prepare, we just prepare more like towards the end of the week before we record. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think, uh, you kind of mentioned about preparing and I, I clicked on, you know, into Dropbox paper and we, we had nothing, uh, for this <laughs> well, yeah. week. Yes, it's been a little slow in the in the news world, so that that's one reason for that. Um, and I've been kind of busy too, but as you have. But um, yes, so going back, I, I can actually add to the story, Rob, because at the beginning, so this was last summer, right? When you started like laying hints on Twitter to me that you know we should do a show, I was like, yeah, yeah, we should do a show, but I didn't really feel like I had time because I just launched Blink and I had um, I was through the summer I was trying to integrate Apple Music, which was just awful. It took forever. It was really hard to kind of um, deal with both the iTunes store and Apple Music at the same time for linking. And so that took me a good chunk of June and July um, to deal with that because it came out, well, I guess it came out right at the end of June. So I spent most of July working on that. And I found myself in July at one point at a work event at a country club. And it was a beautiful day. And I don't play golf, and there was nothing for me to do. <laughs> so I sat at a table with a pen and a field notes notebook. And the point of the story is it's nice to just have some downtime when you don't have anything to, to particularly do and come up with ideas. So I started thinking about what I would put in my apps and what other apps I might do and other projects I might start. And two things came out of that sitting at this table for like a couple hours just taking notes. One was I was like, you know what? Yes, let's do Ruminate. It wasn't called Ruminate yet, but yes, get in touch with Rob. Two was write a comprehensive article on affiliate linking, which this was July now, so that didn't actually happen until November, and there were a couple other things that kind of pushed me towards that later on. Um, But yes, that's when that idea came up. And so two of the biggest projects I've taken on since, um, since... working on Blink have been Ruminate and working at Mac Stories. And they both kind of came out of that sitting at a table on a nice sunny day at a country club where I had nothing to do. Maybe I should, uh, I'm going to go and find myself a country club because uh, I don't play golf either. <laughs> I'll take a notebook and uh, see, I'll see what comes out of it uh, for me. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, so that was pretty good. But um, yeah, so we, I guess, yeah, and then we just, I just, um, the rest of that I was talking, my, my point was in doing the thing about podcasting was, People talk about the gear and everything a lot, which is kind of interesting if you're doing it. But but really, I wanted to try to focus on like two things. One was the way you end up with a good podcast, I think, are, is either really good editing or lots of practice. And lots of practice is the way that we kind of have gone at it, I think. I mean, I think we've gotten a lot better over time. Um, and with these short little things, I think it's helped me a lot as well. Just kind of sitting at my table in the morning and talking into a microphone with nobody around, which is kind of a weird experience, but I got used to it pretty quickly. Um, But yeah, because for instance, the first two podcasts I was ever on, I was originally on um, an episode of Systematic with Brett Terpstra, and I was terrible. It was just awful. I know you've listened to it, and it was pretty rough. 
Um, I think you're and, being too hard, too hard on yourself. Don't it? it wasn't that bad. <laughs> all right, all right. But my memory of that is that it's awful, and I have never listened to it again. And then after that, I was on Inquisitive with Mike Hurley um, when he did the Behind the App series, and that turned out really well. In part, though, because Mike is a good editor, and he took out all the the lousy bits. Um, and then since then, it's been more a matter of uh, just practicing, especially since um, I do these short when I do these short things for Telegram. I don't really, I mean, the point is not to have them take a lot of time. So what I do is I just do them. If I mess up, I start over again because they're usually only like five or six minutes. Um, but I don't, I've gotten to a point where I don't have to do that too often. I just kind of, just kind of do them um, and try to get them right in one take, as they say. So that's kind of what it was all about. And that's where it all came from. Yeah, I think the practice thing is um, kind of, that really is the key to it more than you know equipment or editing or or anything else because i mean our our first episode is that the the one that wasn't released is pretty bad um and i think even that you know the first four or five episodes we kind of struggled even to move on to a second topic um we were kind of stopping and going right are you ready for the second topic and we kind of edited around that um so even doing that is can be quite difficult so yeah the, the practice tends to be um certainly what I think of as kind of the most important thing. Yeah, that's probably the downside of doing this every two weeks is that as a result, it takes longer to get to the point where you've done it enough that you're more practiced. Um, And we only did do just the one unreleased episode ever. We probably could have, probably would have been better served maybe with two or three, but we both wanted to get going and start it and didn't want it to kind of die on the vine. So we just dove in and figured it out as we went along, which, you know, there's a lot to be said for that too, I think. Yeah. And then, but if we had done that, people would have missed out on the, uh, a burger and every slice talk, uh, with yeah, the, that, the that's... pizza with the burgers in the crust. <laughs> I was listening to, um, to ATP, the most recent one. Have you heard that yet? Uh, yeah, I have. And they talked a lot about things like pizza hut and I, it, it brought me back. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to state it now. I'm Team Casey. Uh, I completely, completely agree with Casey. Just, it's all fine. Just eat it all. <laughs> you got pretty mad. Um, the, well, the um, one I put a link to that episode in the in the show notes for people to to listen. This this was in the in the after show this week. Yeah, episode. yeah, it was in both like the main part of the show and the after show at some point, I think. But yeah, it was really good. Um, and then the other thing, I guess, what I should mention is that I of course. Uh, doing this extemporizing in this Telegram audio, I made a mistake. I insinuated, actually I stated it on the record, that you and Tom Pritchard live in the same town, which you do not. And I said you both live in Plymouth when I know you live in Portsmouth. And I did, what I was thinking was that Tom lived where you live. And that's not true. No. Um, it, it's close. Um, I mean, certainly by American standards, we basically live next to each other um, in terms of distance. But yeah, it's, uh, it's a completely different place. But He lives out on the pointy bit. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so yes, I created I was I created a bit of a, an, um, a UK incident there for, for a while. There was a lot going on when, on Twitter about uh, which is better, Plymouth or, or, or Portsmouth. And I think uh, Plymouth, who, who won? Was it? I shouldn't have, but we started all yeah, over again, aren't uh, Pl- Plymouth won, because um, it, it, it kind of started that uh, I don't think Tom's been to Portsmouth, and I, I haven't been to Plymouth to the best of my knowledge, so we were kind of just like, well, we don't really know. Um, and then somebody else weighed in, uh, and they said, who'd actually been to both places and, and said Plymouth, so, uh, you know, I was, I, I was happy to concede at that point. 
Yeah, you know, Tom's coming to Chicago in a, in a couple of weeks. So, he is. Yeah, we're getting together next. Uh, I think the same day that we. I don't know. We're getting together in a couple of weeks. So um, I will. I will ask him some questions, and then we Perfect. can report back on the show. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we've got this little note here because this seems to be a thing specifically with uh, Snapchat, and I think some other chat apps are doing it as well. And and you get these like little QR codes to kind of give people a link to your you know your profile or you know to contact you in in whatsapp or snapchat or whatever why do people put them in their twitter avatars i don't know i i guess um i was gonna say i don't get it because if you're on your phone how are you gonna scan a qr code i guess what you do is you do a screenshot and then run it through um a qr app or else you're on your computer and you scan your screen of your computer i mean now, now we're talking like two old men who don't get what the kids these days are doing. But I think they look gross. Do you know what would be really good? Some kind of imagine there was like a bit of text that you could just click and it would open the app. Like we could call it a link, John. <laughs> we, you know, we actually I got a better word for it. We call it a hyperlink. Perfect. There we yes, go. We solved it. It'll take us right through space, like you know this internet thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't get it. I mean, I think they look terrible, and and. I'm at a loss for words. I would not going to happen with me. No, definitely not. So um, now, now that we've um, successfully confirmed that we don't know what we're talking about, yeah, we've taken a firm stand against something we have no idea what the, what it's even used for. So <laughs> I, I feel good about that. Perfect. Well, let's talk about something um, that maybe we do know a little bit more about. Um, so I, th- I think maybe you saw me on on Twitter, kind of sending like test tweets. Uh, right. to, a, to an unknown account um, or, you know, a brand new account. And, and this was me. Um, I decided to kind of set up a Twitter bot to, uh, you know, just do various different things like uh, post a, the new XKCD comics when they come out. Yep. Um, and the weather. I think you got the weather there, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've got, got the weather for Portsmouth um, getting posted every morning um, just because it's... I don't even care about the weather particularly. It's just kind of, a, you know, something to, to try out with. Um and I kind of started using uh, IFTTTT mm-hmm. for this, um, but they're they're kind of limited in in what you can do. Like you can kind of receive um, like a webhook from a service or something, um, right. and which will obviously give you data. But if don't give you any way to kind of parse that data and take out specific bits, um, you kind of just it's pretty binary. It's like you've either received it or you haven't. Um, so I decided to start playing around. I've got I've had a Raspberry Pi sat around for a while. Um, that I've I've never really used, probably like a lot of people. I bought it because oh look, Raspberry Pi. It's really cool. It's twenty five pound or whatever. Right now, what am I going to do with it now? <laughs> exactly. I think that's that's like the process. That's a step by step. You order one. You don't know what to do with it. You just put it in a box. Um, oh, right. And th- there's a few different options. There's a there's a project called Node Red, um, which was a I believe it was a project uh, by some some IBM uh, employees. And this is kind of. I think it's supposed to be like a dashboard for the Internet of Things, I think is what they call it. And it kind of, um, it's a little bit like IFT in that you've got kind of inputs and then outputs. So like you can kind of take input from Twitter and say send it to like a note or something. Uh-huh. Um, but it has some more advanced features, uh, you know, so you can kind of put a function between the data. So you can kind of uh, do some different things with JavaScript or, um, you know, various different rules to see see what you need to do or you can send that input to two different things Mm -hmm. um so it's kind of nice because it's you know it's basically like one line install 
Um, it's uh, it's built on Node, so you just could do npm install Node Red, I think. Um, oh, okay. And I think some of the Raspberry Pi uh, operating system images actually come with it pre-installed as well. Um, oh, right. So, you know, so it's quite nice. It's got like a nice web interface and, and things like that. That There were a few problems I had with it. Um, for example, like if you if you make some changes to a, I think I think they call it a workflow. Um, if you make changes to a workflow, you have to redeploy that, you know, just to basically save in the changes. But that will also rerun any other workflows you've got there. So if you're, I don't know, waiting for a new RSS feed item like I was with XKCD, it would repost that to Twitter. Um, it, it doesn't have any concept of kind of what it's already seen. Right. Yeah. It's so no scheduling really. I mean, not in that sense. I guess is that right or uh, it, it, the scheduling's not too bad. But the, the, so the issue was to so say there's a you know there's four items in the XKCD RSS feed. Um, it only ever has four items. So I would say read this feed and any new items post them. But if I restarted the Raspberry Pi and started Node Red again, oh, it yeah, would post all those then. four again. Right, because they're all they're all considered new at that point. Exactly. Yeah. So that you know, there's a few problems, that, and they've uh, they have stated that they're working on this kind of thing uh, for restarts and and saving saving workflows and things like that. Um, so I thought I'd kind of take a dive into doing it myself with Python um, and a few different libraries. As I, you know, I've used Python probably a few years ago, maybe first year of university. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, it's it's a really nice language to use because it's got a, you know a lot of nice kind of built-in functions, and it's you almost write Python the way you would read it. Um, you know, so if I'm looking for something in a string, you just write if this is in or this in string. Um, right. You know, so it's quite a nice language to to play around with. So yeah, I've just um, it feels nice to use my Raspberry Pi for something. Yeah. Um and and kind of Twitter was a good place to start with that, but I'm also going to look into uh maybe using Telegram bots um to do various different things. Like I kind of want to send it an IMDb page and it make a note of that movie for me. Um Yeah, that, that that would be good. That would be really pretty cool. I've looked at the bots a little bit too. I've looked at some of the um the documentation and they work um they work pretty well. I mean, we we're at one point when we were posting these audio tidbits for Mac stories, we were using a bot that a, that a user made for us, a reader of the site, and uh, it would take in a it would take in a wave file, I believe, and it would convert it to it. It would upload it, convert it to an MP3, and then post it. Um, and it was it was good, but it was um, it was a little inconsistent. Uh, I think it choked on large files and it mangled one file one time. So. Uh, instead, we set up something entirely different using the workflow app. Sure, yeah, that's um, it's kind of interesting the different uh, options there are for for bots. Now, I mean, Twitter can be a bit of a pain. Um, r- really, the ideal way is to use the the stream, so you're getting you know direct access to a user's stream, so it will kind of instantly run. Um, but you know, Telegram has a lot of nice options for that, and. You know, I've kind of using it at the moment. I'm using a combination of the Raspberry Pi and some stuff on Ift, um, just because they've already got you know RSS feeds. They kind of got that down. They, you know, they do remember unless it's a new feed, a new item. They won't, they won't post it and things like that. 
Right, right. Yeah, no, I know we talked a little bit about different things you could use to as services to pipe things into the into the Twitter bot. Uh, Z- Zapier is another possible one. That's one that I know Federico uses. The problem with it is, in, to my mind, is that it's pretty expensive to get the stuff that is more advanced. I mean, they have a free. They know they have a free tier, but the free tier is pretty limited compared to uh, the paid tier. And I think the paid tier is something like ten dollars a month, maybe. Uh, yeah, when I looked, I think the paid tier is twenty dollars a month. Um, and the no, free- that's more than I thought. Yeah, and the the free tier gives you a hundred zaps. I think they call it, and a zap is basically any interaction with a service and Zapier. Um, so I could maybe make that work, but I. You know, I, I wouldn't want to hit the limit and then go, oh, well, I've either got to pay or I've got to move it somewhere else. Um, yeah, it's really powerful, though, compared to, like, IFTTT. Because um, I know, for instance, like, it can run Python scripts and that sort of thing. Um, because what we're doing with the club newsletter now is that when someone someone fills out a Google form, it sends the data through Zapier with a and it kicks off a Python script that converts everything to Markdown um, and then posts it into Trello. Oh wow! Yeah, that that's yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, and yeah. for ins- you know, and for instance, like it's a question, and one of the, the there are three options: um, ask Federico, ask Graham, ask John, or ask the whole team. Right? There are four options. Mm. Um, and so then, what it'll do, and when it's in Trello, it'll automatically tag it with the right person and a color. And then when then we have a whole another thing, which is a workflow using the workflow app on iOS. You go into Trello, you just you click a link. It's these those hyperlink things again that we were talking about before. Um, those newfangled links, you click it, you tap it on iOS, and it kicks the it takes the um, the question in Markdown and drops it into a text editor, uh, pre-formatted. So all you have to do is type the answer, which is pretty cool. But it took Federico like a week to get that thing working. Sure, yeah, I think this this can obviously kind of be the the problem with these things is that you know they can take a while to get set up but once they are set up i mean you know it, it's all kind of automated and as you say it sounds like you've got a pretty good pretty good workflow there for dealing with uh questions and, and things like that that come in yeah it's, it was it was a lot of it seemed like a lot of work i mean i didn't do any of it myself i just kind of watched it half unfold but it seemed like a lot of work and um but it is going to save us a ton of time going forward especially since what we were doing before is we would have like um in Slack, we would just get the, the, the emails would get dumped into Slack. And Slack doesn't do a great job of displaying emails. You don't see much of the information, so you have to tap on it, open it, read it. And then there was, there's no good way to kind of mark them. For a while, we were like marking them with um, emoji. We each had our own emoji. And that was like how we decided <laughs> who, was do, who was doing what. And it's just not, it's not good for that sort of thing. Trello is a lot better because it creates these cards and you can, you can drag them around from list to list and, you know, assign them to people. And once you're finished writing something, you can put it in the finished pile, that kind of thing. Yeah, we've, I've used Trello in the past. It's, um, it's a nice service actually for that. But, um, and on the, on the same topic of the Raspberry Pi, I kind of, you know, I was playing around with this and you know what it's like. You kind of get into one thing, you know, I wonder what else I could do in this general area um and i came across a a project called magic mirror oh yeah um and it's at at the core of it this is basically just a uh kind of like panic status board um you know you have little widgets that do various different things and you can put them in different parts of the screen um but the way it's been built is that you can the the guys designed it so that you can put a a one-way mirror over the top of it um and build yourself just a standard looking mirror but then you have this section of it, which is like part of, which will display this kind of status board. 
Okay, so there's a computer screen behind the one-way mirror is how it works. Yeah, exactly. So you buy yourself, you know, some kind of monitor or, or small screen, depending on what size you want. Um, you know, and you can kind of, uh, you know, display weather and notes and calendar stuff. And it's he's it, he's built built a nice, uh, pretty nice plug-in system uh, for for kind of building your own own integrations and things like that. So, I probably in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to just try out the just the actual you know dashboard part of it uh, on right. a monitor and, and see see if i can get something set up that i like and then you know maybe i'll be buying myself a one-way mirror and a frame and uh and yeah and jess will be looking at me like what the hell are you doing <laughs> yeah it says you're brushing your teeth and seeing the, the weather right exactly <laughs> um yeah no i i was familiar with this because um the our web developer at mac stories ollie he he was um, I think I don't know that he's done it, but I think he was thinking of building one too because he sent around a there's a YouTube video demonstrating this somewhere. Have you seen that? Because it looked pretty cool. Yeah, I think that was I had definitely seen it originally, uh, probably a few months ago. I think when the guy released it. Yeah, that's what I what I had seen. And when you you mentioned that you were doing thinking about doing a magic mirror, that's what I immediately thought about because it looked um, looked pretty cool. We we have a couple of Raspberry Pis here, and it's a little bit like you said. I mean, we have them, and they've been sitting in a box. Um, not entirely true. My kids have done various things with them at different times. I'm not even sure exactly what, but um, I haven't really ever um, dived into it myself. No, it was, it's kind of funny because I, you know, I've only just got it out after having it for you know a couple of years, and then I found myself on an online store. Uh, there's a store in the UK called Pie Hut, and I'm looking at other Raspberry Pis, and I'm thinking to myself, "What am I doing? I haven't even got this one doing anything. Yeah, I should probably wait until I buy another one." Yeah, those really small ones. What are those really those new small ones called that have the Wi-Fi built into them? Those have been really hard to get. Get I think because they've sold uh, the, out. Uh, the Pi Zero. Um, that there was a reason for that. Actually, they stopped production for a while uh, to continue to uh, ramp up production of the Raspberry Pi Three. Um, but I think they announced this week that they they've kind of upgraded the Zero a little bit. Um, so those will be shipping out soon. Um, so oh, okay. they will be available again, probably in the next couple of weeks. I think. I assume the three is kind of a bigger model with a little bit more capability than the zero. Uh, yeah, so the zero is kind of a tiny one, and and all the adapters are like the micro version of everything. So you've got like micro HDMI and and uh, kind of micro USB that kind of thing. Oh yeah. But the you know the Pi three is is the basically the same size as all the other uh, Raspberry Pis, but it's I think it's a quad core processor they've got in it now. Um, wow. I think it's got four USB ports, uh, built in Wi Fi, Bluetooth. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely you know a significantly more powerful uh, computer, and it's still you know in the twenty five or thirty pound range. Yeah, I've heard people use the use them a lot for things like media servers that they'll work with that. I don't even know. I suppose they you can use Plex with it, maybe. Uh, yeah, I have. I think I remember when I first got mine, I tried out. I think it was Xbox Media Center. The software. Yeah, I think that's um, right. And and it was okay, uh, but it kind of choked on on some bigger files because um, I just I just don't think it's it's really powerful enough for yeah um, for streaming those. But yeah, I mean it it definitely can be used. I mean it's significantly cheaper than like a Mac Mini, for example, to use as a server. Um, yes, yes. But you know it really depends on on your use case and you know if you're willing to get it set up in the first place. Because um, these, you know, the the software can get pretty fiddly at times with you know the combination of the operating system and you know maybe it's Python or Node or you know whatever else they build it on. Um, it can get a bit weird. 
Yeah, they do a pretty neat um, kit that you can get from a company called Cano, K-A-N-O, that uh, comes with a little keyboard and 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 a, you know a, an enclosure for the Raspberry Pi and a bunch of pre-installed its own version, its own kind of pre-installed version of Linux with its own skin on it that makes it a little more user-friendly and it's designed for. Um, kids to learn coding and things like that and my youngest has that and it's pretty neat it works pretty well yeah there's some really nice um all of those components really like cases and software um you know there's some there's some really nice stuff out there but you know again i was found myself looking at it and i really thought i should probably do something with this one before i start buying another one yeah that's a good idea (laughs) so um i think that's probably about it on the raspberry pi um yeah i I think so kind of a fun little uh, adventure into seeing what seeing what's available for the Raspberry Pi at the moment. Yeah, no, I like the Raspberry Pi. I think it's um, it, it's it's you know the things you can do with it are really only limited by your imagination. There's it's so well done and open source that you can, and, and now it's got such a big community behind it that you can find projects all over the place to try out. Yeah, definitely. So the other thing I thought maybe we could talk about briefly because this has already been I think this horse is starting to get to the point where it's been beaten to death, but. You know, of course, I think it was a week ago yesterday, so two Saturdays ago, there was, or yeah, two Saturdays ago, there was an article in the New York Times about podcasting that was just all kinds of awful, mainly because I think large portions of it were just completely inaccurate as to how the technology works and what, what really goes on with podcasting as between podcasters and Apple. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as, as you say, I think this is it's, it's been discussed at length in a couple of places. Uh, Upgrade and, and ATP uh, were a couple of good places, and uh, Marco and Federico both wrote about it as well. Uh, so we'll link to those. But I think the biggest problem with this article, more than anything else, because you know, to some extent, I can understand these bigger podcasters going, "Oh, wouldn't it be great if we could, you know, treat it like the web and get more money and you know, get a hundred million downloads or whatever." The biggest problem, this whole article just seems to be com- just written by somebody who doesn't understand what Apple do in terms of podcasting. Um, right. You know, they, they have a directory. That is it. Um, it. It's no different to Marco's directory that he has in Overcast. It's no different to the Pocketcast directory. It's basically just a database of RSS feeds. Right. Um, you know, they're, they're really not doing a lot else um beyond kind of i mean you know obviously they have ratings and, and the charts that they do um but, you know that that's only based on on their directory um so, you know right. so you could be number one in itunes but you might not be number one in overcast or pocketcast depending on what kind of show you've got right and you can have a show and not even put it on itunes if you don't want to i mean because it's just not it's not necessary it's it would be silly not to mainly because that's where most people get them but you don't have to be on itunes no, and I mean, if you look at um, if you look at our uh, statistics for this show, you know we have not a huge amount of people use even using um, you know the official podcast app. I mean, a lot of our uh, downloads come through Overcast, and uh, I think Mike said the same thing on Upgrade. Um, you know, he he sees kind of fifty percent or forty or fifty percent are using Overcast, and then the other fifty percent is kind of you know just split up between all the other other podcast apps. Yep, that's true. We've got around. I, I looked actually recently. I think I looked a day or two ago, and I think we've got about fifty-five percent coming from Overcast and about nine percent coming through the official iTunes um, iOS app. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that's not necessarily a 
um, a, you know, a, a good data point for, for everyone because obviously, you know, this is kind of a, a tech tech focused podcast to a certain extent, and you know, a lot of mic shows are the same um, on Relay, but it, it still kind of shows that you know there's a massive market that just aren't really that interested in what Apple are doing with podcasts. Yeah, no, it, definitely those not kind of numbers they they vary pretty widely depending on the type of show and where you're getting your audience from. I've 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 talked to a lot of people who have different numbers, but especially if you're kind of more te- tech related podcast that those kind those it, it's not unusual to have a large portion coming through something like Overcast as opposed to the the iTunes um iTunes podcast app. Yeah, and I, you know, there was a couple of other bits in this article um you know kind of the, i think there was a line in it that said apple refused to allow for paid podcasts and i mean again this kind of comes back to the fact that all they do is run a directory um it, yeah they're not really doing anything yeah well what, what really bugs me about it and i, I i'm kind of suspicious of these these big players because it, it strikes me that these are people coming from radio and radio is inherently constrained by how many people can get into it because you know because of one radio waves and licensing and all that kind of thing you can only have so many radio stations and seems to me they dro- they dropped themselves into podcasting and realized that they were in the wild west where anybody and their brother could make a podcast you know guys like you and me can make a podcast um, there's virtually no cost to it um, and that on some level I wonder whether this is the first step in trying to uh, trying to restrict who can get into podcasting. In other words, create, make Apple a gatekeeper so it's harder for um, other people to get into it. Yeah, I, I definitely think that that's probably likely. Um, you know, you, I've kind of seen this thing before, um, you know, with podcasts, but like you say, you do see the same thing where the big players, they they don't like it that smaller you know, the smaller players, like you say, like me and you, can, we can just make a podcast and, and as you say the cost is it, it's pretty low for us but we could probably make it cheaper you know there are free ways to host a podcast um right uh, you know depending on what you want to get out of it but you know they don't want that they want you know essentially they want like a podcasting license like you know here right. you, go, you can have a license you're allowed to make podcasts now um, well and i think it's kind of naive for them to think that if that's in case if in fact that is the intent i think it's a little naive for them to think that that's even a possibility because i don't think apple has demonstrated any tendencies that direction at all i mean i, I look at the app store and in the app store they are absolutely a gatekeeper um, but they keep the barrier to entry really low yes you've got to pay over the 30 percent. but I, what i'm talking about is the fact that to have a developer account, you just you don't have to pay anything until you put something on the store, and then you only have to pay a hundred dollars. There have been people who have proposed in the past that if you wanted, you know, kind of the white glove treatment from Apple as a developer, there should be a a, a developer account that's like a premium platinum account that costs I don't know thousand dollars or five thousand dollars, and you would get expedited review and you know lots of extra, um, lots of extra support calls and all that sort of thing. Uh, but Apple's never done that. They've they've kept the at least in terms of getting on the store in the first place. They've kept the playing field really level um, for anybody from you know hobbyists on up to the big boys like Adobe or EA or whoever. Yeah, definitely. And they of course they've even been trying to make that easier for people now because they I think it was with iOS nine or around that time you're now allowed to load apps that you've developed onto your iPhone without having a paid developer account, which I think previously you couldn't do. 
Yeah, no, originally all you could do is run iOS apps in the simulator, and that once you wanted to go beyond the simulator, that's when you had to pay your $100. So they kind of moved that entry point back to the point where you don't have to have an account until you're actually submitting to the store for sale or or download if it's a free app. Sure. Um, I, I don't think we should probably shouldn't go any any deeper into this because I think um, you know it's it's been pretty well covered in upgrading ATP. Um, but we'll we'll put uh, links in the show notes to those because uh, they were both uh, really interesting shows. Uh, definitely to hear from from the two different points of view. Uh, yeah, from definitely the two from shows. the yeah exactly because you get kind of the perspective not only of people who are making podcasts like jason snell and mike and and the atp guys but also marco arman who makes um makes an app himself so it's a good spectrum of um points of view i think cool um talking of uh barrier to entry to the store and app review and things like that um you're preparing to launch uh associate this week right yeah yeah definitely um this is an an Amazon affiliate linking app, um, just kind of leveraging off of the, you know, the success of Blink and and the code that's in Blink, and bringing the same similar type of app to uh, the Amazon program, uh, and it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I think launches launches are always exciting, but they're also kind of exhausting, and there are parts of them that are awful. Um, and I've kind of been through all of that in the last five or six days, uh, starting last Friday when I tweeted out. Um, just a small image of the icon next to the blink icon and it really took off more than I expected on Twitter um, and I wasn't really planning to uh, start working on the launch yet but I was kind of thrown in the midst of a lot of interest so I very quickly got up a, a splash page and kind of activated the dormant uh, Twitter account and did a bunch of things last weekend to get to get ready put together a press kit did all that stuff to get get ready for the launch which is actually going to be on Tuesday the 17th. Cool. So, um, I mean, I guess I kind of know the answer to this, but why is, uh, you know, the affiliate, the, the Amazon affiliate section, why is this not just part of Blink? Um, why did you not add it into Blink uh, rather than making its own app? Yeah, it, it, I guess it's a couple of things. One, it's money. And to be honest, you know, I mean, two two apps is better than one instead of in terms of making money. And I thought, uh, I believe that it's uh, a worthwhile added f- feature that I think uh, is worth paying for. So uh, that's one reason it's a separate app. But it's also a separate app fundamentally. And I don't think even if I even if I weren't asking for money for a separate app um, for Associate, uh, it would still probably be a separate app because the UI would just have to be completely redesigned on Blink to make this work because Blink was designed with um, with iTunes in mind. So there are sections that make sense um, for the different kinds of media uh, that that are sold by iTunes. And Amazon is completely different in terms of the breadth and depth of what they sell, but also um, their APIs are very restrictive as to what you can do um, in terms of of searching Amazon. So it wouldn't be, there is, there's no way to make it work the same way that Blink works because Apple's a lot more open with its APIs. Sure, yes, because um, yeah, I, I guess that's interesting because Amazon are pretty, um, as you say, they're pretty restrictive on their APIs and and you know even. Uh, with their affiliate link in, even just to get an affiliate account, um, you know, you need a lot of proof that, uh, you know, that you're actually going to use it. Then they're, they're nowhere near as as kind of easy as it is to get a uh, an iTunes affiliate account. Yeah, and, and with their search API on Amazon, they won't let you use it unless you make an Android app for their store for their Amazon um, Android store. Not even just you know general Google Play. It has to be um, 
Amazon's version of the Android store. So, <laughs> and that, so that was kind of a non-starter, really. I mean, cause we, I actually, I, I, you know, I emailed them about it, and um, there was maybe a chance if 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 I did an Android version and an iOS version that maybe, but they they were very non-committal about it, and we came up with a way to do search without using their API, which is Safari View Controller, uh, which lets you do kick off a search on the Amazon website, gets back the results, and all none of the links in those in those search results work, except that when you tap on the, the result that you want, it'll then turn it into an affiliate link. So it was kind of a clever workaround, I think. Yeah, I was quite... Because um, you sent me the beta for this. God, when it, whenever it was that you uh, you kind of sent out the first beta. And, and yeah, it's, it's an interesting way of getting around the the api limits um you know and, and i've been testing it and it, it you know it works really well yeah i mean what it does is what it's doing is when it uh when you tap on one of those results is it's yanking the asin out of it um aisn i think it is it's you know it's the, basically the serial number for the object that's sold on amazon it pulls that out and then it it uses that to uh create an affiliate link with your credentials um, and this app, by the way, this is kind of more of a this is more of a Squibner team app because this one was completely coded by my son Owen, who's 18. He he did all the, the development on it. I mean, I was kind of there, like at the beginning, talking to him about things like what it would do and how we could do it, and um, that very clever Safari View Controller uh, feature was really. I have to give a lot of credit to Mike Hurley who suggested that because. Originally, this app wasn't going to have search in it at all because there was just no way to use the search API. Um, but Owen did a real good job coming up with a solution based on Mike's idea, and um, that's so it does have search and it also has an extension, so you can you can convert uh, links that you find directly in the Amazon app or on the web through Safari or wherever you find a share sheet that lets you, you know, grab a URL. Yeah, that's great. So basically, Owen Owen built it, and and you're just <laughs> you're the sales guy on the, on on the internet, just <laughs> trying yeah. try to, try to pedal your wares. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, so I'm doing just all the marketing stuff. So I was like a little bit of little bit of product development at the front end, and now just doing the marketing. And it's been um, busy because, like I said, I got a little. First of all, I knew that the app review times were were getting shorter and shorter from what I'd seen from other developers, but I hadn't really, I guess I didn't quite believe it yet. You know, you saw some articles probably this week about this. I mean, I think Bloomberg even had an article about it, about how the, the, um, app review times are down to now it's down to 24 hours about. Um, but at the time that we submitted this, I guess it was two weekends ago. Um, that was, I'd seen a handful of people say that, but it wasn't clear that that was how broad based it was. Uh, but it got approved in about 36 hours. And so I, you know, we, we, um, decided to launch it on the 17th just to give us some time to contact media and to prepare the website and do all the other things. And since I've got other stuff going on, I needed a little time. Um, I, I think I probably could have launched it Wednesday or Thursday of this past week, but, um, to be safe, just kind of kicked it into next week. So I'm hoping it'll be a slow news day and everybody will go buy it. Yeah, hopefully Apple don't uh, drop drop a new MacBook or something. Then. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I doubt we're going to see anything from Apple at this point. So that's good because you know, we're so close to WWC now. Um, but it's going to be $5, just like Blink. And we're actually going to do a bundle too that'll be $8 for the two. 
but you can't set up a bundle until an app is live on the store. So the bundle might not be live immediately. It might take a little while to get that up and running. Uh, okay. I, had, I, don't, I don't think I've ever bought a bundle, but that will... So I already own Blink. Will that give me come, some kind of discount on the bundle? Or to kind of charge me for just the difference or something? Yeah, that's a good question. I have no idea. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I don't want to say because I have no idea. It's the uh, mystery of the app store. <laughs> yeah, I haven't really bought a lot of bundles myself, but I figured why not? You know, I mean, this way, if someone has been on the fence about Blink, they can maybe get the two of them for, you know, an extra couple of dollars off. I'd, I'd tell you what then, John, when the bundle's live, I will, I'll let you know what happens. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah, it's been a while since I've looked at how bundles work. Um, you can actually, I think you can actually, I'm trying to think, I think you can actually do affiliate links for bundles, but it's not supported officially by Apple. Mm. So Yeah, I haven't, I, to be honest with the bundles, I remember when they kind of announced those, I haven't seen a huge amount of bundles uh even even on the store at all um yeah it, it, it yeah it's quieted down and i don't think apple's really promoting them but if you if for instance if you go to omnifocus and you click on just the uh, link to Om, uh, omni group so you see all of their apps then you'll see the bundles and that kind of but you're not I, for the most part i don't remember the last time i saw a bundle on like the first page of the store and any kind of featured section or anything like that no I, I remember there being some problems when they launched um with kind of depending on if i'd kind of maybe paid a higher price for one of the bundled apps and right then i go to buy a bundle but it's actually cheaper than what i paid possibly like you know there was some weirdness with that but yeah. um but yeah I, i'm more than happy to let you know what happens uh, <laughs> when, right, I, yeah, when i try I, and buy affiliate I think that those issues work themselves out. What I'd really like to see, I'd like to see bundles that are across platforms so you can buy OmniFocus for the Mac and OmniFocus for iOS for one price, that kind of thing. That that would be really nice. That's it's always one of the things, you know, I kind of maybe if I look at to do apps as a good example and I'm like, okay, great. So the iOS one is ten dollars or something. I'm like, all right, okay, I've got the Mac app now and of course there's no way if I'm on my phone I can't look at Mac apps on the Mac app right. store. <laughs> Let's not even get into that. But uh, so, yeah. unless you're in Blink, you can do it in Blink. Oh, I know I can do it in Blink. I know I do because um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the only place that you can do it. It's a little, little more limited information, but it makes it faster for to do the searches. So, well, it, it's not limited. At least I can see the price. <laughs> yes, you can, and you can see the description. So you've got that going for you. Yeah. So, well, okay. So, uh, so yeah, a couple of days, and that'll be out. Um, I'm sure we'll both be tweeting about it. Um, yeah, and we'll. I'll, I'll make sure to tweet about it from the Ruminate account as well. Um, cause obviously yeah. we, when we'll, if we remember, we'll put a link in the show notes if you're listening to this after the 17th. Um, yes, I have and... the link. I, I have the link already. It just takes you nowhere right now. Okay, well, we can just we can maybe just put that in there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Monday we can have send a lot of people to unavailable on the store um, errors for, for 24 hours. Yeah. Excellent. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add on, on Associate? I don't think so. No, excellent. Okay, so I think we've we covered everything for this week. Um, uh, as I said, I'm, we're, we're both on Twitter. Uh, I am at RM Lewis UK. Uh, John, you're at John Voorhees, J O H N V O R H E E S. I got that right. Very good. There Very we go. <laughs> um, and the show notes are at ruminatepodcast.com slash 20. Ooh, all the way up to twenty now. All the way, we can. Our podcast is nearly old enough to drink in America. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, we'll have to. We'll have to do something. We'll have to have a an early morning cocktail then. 
Perfect. Okay. All right. Speak to you later, John. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.